0: Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and a psychologist Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes. First rule in roadside beat sales, put the most attractive beats on top, the ones that make you pull the car over and go, wow, I need this beat right now. Those are the money beats. Look okay. at Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. Dave, the philosopher Agnes Collard is joining us next time to talk about Plato and his dialogue, The Gorgeous. We have to be prepared. Have you done the reading yet?
1: (laughs) I had to Wikipedia what that was. (laughs) I was like, The Gorgeous. (laughs) uh, Yeah, no, I have not done the reading. I will. Is it, um, so I really am ignorant about this. Is it, uh, one of the long dialogues or is that a subset of one of the long dialogues? No, it is is one of the
0: longer dialogues. Uh, the longer, have you read any Plato? The Republic, right? When you were a kid. I
1: read some of the Republic. I didn't even read all of the Republic. And I, I read some dialogues when I was in late high school that I just picked up and read on my own. I don't know which one talks about justice, but but Republic. Whichever one talks about it, just, Yeah, then maybe maybe that's what I was reading. No, I'm gonna be totally prepared. I'm gonna like uh be like a classics scholar when I'm gonna ask her about, you know, the original um, the Original Greek
0: <laughs> word. You can't even you can't even conceive of what the classic scholar would do.
1: I'm going to be like, <laughs> is is it true that this word actually had two connotations depending on context?
0: <laughs> right. Uh. You just litter the conversation with like ancient Greek phrases. That's one of the more <laughs> annoying things that they do in articles on Plato by you know, ancient philosophers and classicists <laughs> is they just kind of randomly will decide to th- throw in some Greek words. <laughs> yeah, The Gorgeous is good. It's long though, so you should be prepared. You should set aside some time. It's it's really good and it's interesting and it's I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's necessarily what you would think of when you think of a platonic dialogue.
1: Okay, okay, I'm intrigued. But you know, luckily, since I've put in so much work in our patron selected episodes and you know read so much, I'm I feel like I can just leave you to read this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you have to read it. <laughs> <laughs> but I am. I have ac- I've actually taught it uh, once before or a couple times before, actually. And, you know, I know it fairly well, but it, it always surprises me when I read it um, the next time.
1: Well, I'll play the role of the naive, uh, the naive youngin, like in Plato's dialogues. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, right. There's there's in every uh, in every Plato dialogue, there's a naive youngin. Yes. Who, uh,
1: who asks? The, who asks the questions that are secretly the good ones? I think you're confusing
0: Plato's dialogues with like the Passover Seder, like the four questions. <laughs> Our Jewish <laughs> wait, which
1: one was which one was Socrates? Again? <laughs> See the one that he you was definitely the not the one you didn't wine. know
0: how to ask. <laughs> All, right. All right, today we are going to talk about a couple of things. In the main segment, we are going to talk about an H.P. Lovecraft story called "The Color Out of Space." Which I strongly recommend our listeners read before, um, because it's just a very cool story. So that's in the main segment in the in the first segment, we're going to talk about a paper called uh,
1: <laughs> uh, An Exploration of Spiritual Superiority, colon: The Paradox of Self Enhancement. yeah. Uh, this was this was one of those that did somebody suggest it on Twitter, but as soon as it crossed, your radar, you hated it. Is that right?
0: Someone, yes. No, I just saw somebody link to it on Twitter. Um, it actually, like, the way it was being described in the tweet as, like, a just a damning critique of mindfulness practice, it isn't that. Um, yes, it turns out. It turns out not to be that. <laughs> but, um, but I hate that genre of study a lot. Like, I kind of feel that there are people who've tried meditating it just didn't stick for them. And so now they have to show it's like ressentiment driven driven. It's like now they have to show that nobody's good at mindfulness and that it's all bad.
1: <laughs> Wait, can you not say resentment in English? And if, if you can't, how is this not a resounding confirmation of the superiority that mindfulness meditation <laughs> brings?
0: <laughs> I mean, to distinguish, I shouldn't have said ressentiment <laughs> like that, but like, I mean the Nietzschean <laughs> ressentiment. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, not, yeah. Thanks for
1: thanks for bringing back the superiority, like ta- like curtailing it,
0: <laughs> bringing like the author of
1: like the champion of superiority. Uh, yeah, so I I saw this uh, on Twitter as well, and it must have been the same person sharing it. Um, and you know, there's so there is a a press release that comes with it that um, that you know usually these are written by the authors or by the the university press office in conjunction with the authors, but in my experience, it's pretty much just the author writing it. And it says, study links some forms of spiritual training to narcissism and, quote unquote, spiritual superiority. And even in the press release, so it says, a new study has found that some popular forms of spiritual training, such as energy healing, aura reading, and to a lesser degree, mindfulness and meditation correlate with both narcissism and spiritual superiority. So this paper is just basically looking at a, a bunch of measures. They created essentially four measures for all of these different constructs. And they look at the correlations between them and they looked at the, the differences in scores between, like, at least in one study, people who are, like, um, dedicated students of a particular spiritual training. Um, so mindfulness training, energetic therapist, or aura healing.
0: This is why I was... It was sort of misled by the tweet that this was really about mindfulness, but, like, it seems like the energetic training people are the ones that show more effects. I mean, it's all bullshit. Like, don't get me... Like, I'm not just saying that these things or constructs are real or at getting anything. But, like, it seems like that's what this is more about. And I didn't even know what energetic training was. Like, did you know? Yeah, what the, that's that like up. what...
1: Yeah, that's like what you would associate with, like, the super new agey kinds of people. Like, yeah. it's weird to lump together, new, you know, like, um, these new age things that actually require very odd um, supernatural beliefs or like metaphysical beliefs like in in auras and energy and crystals and shit like that with mindfulness, which is sort of often explicitly non-endorsing of any supernatural belief. Um, But nonetheless, they do. But like absolutely, you're exactly right. So as I was reading it, um, I was... It's a little confusing the way it's written up, but there is no evidence. Like the one the one study where they actually look at practi- real practitioners of mindfulness, they actually show um, lower scores of spiritual superiority than the other two groups. So if anything, like if you are to believe that any of these measures are capturing anything, then that's evidence that the mindfulness people actually aren't superior. And it's only when they look in the third study They ask a bunch of people if they have ever or currently, which is a terrible way to ask, like, have you ever or are you currently practicing mindfulness meditation? And, and then, so I would be yes to that. You would be yes to that. Right. Most people we know would be yes to that probably right. at some point. Well, Giving it they, a
0: shot at some point.
1: Yeah. Giving it a shot. And there and only there do they find like a slight uh, s- slight um, increase in spiritual superiority comp- compared to people who say they've never tried anything. But that's not, you know, that's not right. Like, that's not a good way to lump people together. No, right. so,
0: There's a difference between people who regularly practice something.
1: Right. So, so, okay. So, I, this is, I know this is exactly what you hate the most, um, that there are questionnaires that are made up. In this case... The scales. <laughs> yeah, making up four scales and saying that they're constructs is a bit much because, um, as many have pointed out, Tamler and all other psychologists and me, I guess, if you aren't going to do the work of showing that the scale is actually measuring what it says it's measuring, then, like, you can't, you can't just say... You can't, like, right? So, like, suppose that spiritual superiority is a thing. Um, suppose that you could actually, like, rank people in terms of their spiritual superiority in the real world. Um, you would want to do something like, I don't know, like, ask their friends, is this person spiritually, like, does, right. do they feel spiritually superior? And see if your measure, your self-report measure, actually is tracking that. So, so this is just, like, all they do is just show that these this is reliable, like, statistically reliable, which just means that all of the answers are really highly correlated with each other. But I wanted to actually read off some of these <laughs> items yeah. because I'm going to ask them to you, Tamara. Okay, good. <laughs> On a seven-point scale, seven being, uh, high, like, you agree, uh, one being you disagree, um, I am aware of things that others are not aware of. <laughs> 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 Like that's the first I mean. item. How, like, of course, like I know, like how many times I jerk off every day, <laughs> right. which is less than one. Um, no. <laughs> I
0: swear. <laughs> right? How are you supposed to interpret that? Like, like, are there some things that only you know that other people don't know? Are Are you more likely
1: to know things than other it's people? Things, so it's at least more than one. <laughs> right? Like, I. Yeah. Uh, by the way, is person so s- jerk- Is what? I was just going to say, this is published in a real journal, like European Journal of Social Psychology, which is not too shabby. Like, it's it's Right. Now, this is this. your
0: uh sideways music paper (laughs) it's not
1: i i wish it were that special like i mean no 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 offense to that i looked up the at least the lead author is like a you know very tenured professor so i don't mind dissing them too oh
0: yeah like in the past we've always
1: showed such scruples no but because (laughs) precisely because of that i don't (laughs) i felt bad in the past okay second question yeah i i I, I uh, say
0: five for that Okay. Because like uh, you I said, more, I know how many times I jerk off. Like, you're right, yeah.
1: exactly. <laughs> I am more in touch with my senses than most others. Senses? In touch with? Uh, I uh, guess that has some meaning, like if you've done mindfulness. Right, like when you should add, be it, better. Right, Yeah, right.
0: I feel like um, I've just kind of pulled myself up to average
1: mm-hmm. through
0: mindfulness training. Like I was probably subpar and now I'm just average. So I'll give like a four, 4.5.
1: You know, by the way, here's where I like I, I want to say that um, this is, um, you know, there's this big tradition in social psychology on above average effects, mm-hmm. like you're know, showing that people think they talk above about average. that. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is very much trying to be in that tradition. But if you really, in that whole literature, people have done, there's been so much back and forth about what these scales are measuring that um, like phrasing something like I am more in touch with my senses than most others. Yeah is like it's the most part that they're trying to measure and like it just is true that well it depends on who i am currently right. thinking of as most others right. and so oftentimes in in better than average effects like if i were to if i wanted to know whether students at cornell thought that they were like smart if they had above above average effects on intelligence i would ask them something like compared to um, the average Cornell student or compared to the Cornell students that you know or in your class, like you want to narrow it down so there 's a concrete comparison because or else it 's just unclear like uh, like depending on who i 'm currently thinking of it could it could mean that I think i 'm better than most right. people in the world or it could mean that i've just thought of you know
0: or it could be that um, i you know that i 'm thinking of the people that i 'm in contact with who tend to be more right. Sort of present than I am, but like... Right. Yeah, like, and it matters. Like, yeah. It's,
1: yeah. it's just one of those measurement things. Okay, I am... Oh, wait, did you give a... a, oh, a, I
0: t- a yeah, I said four for that. Okay. 4.5.
1: I am more aware of what is between heaven and earth than most people. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> How did you... Is, was this in the paper? This is the Appendix A. Uh, yeah, oh, I didn't see I this. scrolled down right away. Okay. <laughs> what is between heaven and earth than most people? That's like uh, in between like in the
0: <laughs> I, like, I don't even know like how, that's that's a that's uh, a very bizarre thing to put on the scale and, and think and think what it's measuring like what like I have yeah. no idea how to answer that question I don't think that there's anything in between heaven and earth I don't understand the question and I don't think like m- most people would understand the questions
1: it's clearly ether but spelled with that funny A in front of it oh uh, yeah like with the, <laughs> that's kind
0: of in the E yeah <laughs> right <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> I don't know what it, what that means. Either. I don't know. Even, um, yeah, I don't even know like I, I don't have any possibilities of what it could mean. Like
1: it's like so far if you're scoring really high on the scale, then I'm thinking you're just like kind of arrogant just in general, not like that it really is capturing anything about your spirituality no. at this point like just I mean, that you've
0: yeah, yeah, you're
1: arrogant and you're patient. I'm <laughs> yeah. not having just <laughs> left. Okay. Because of my education and experience, I am observant and see things that others overlook. Well, like, yeah. On the like, one hand, absolutely, right? Oh, right, Be- of course. Like, that's yeah. kind of what education... That's our job. Exactly. <laughs> 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 like a plumber sees a lot of shit that I never see, right? right? Like that's because of... The, yeah. Like anybody um, should
0: answer very high for this, right? Assuming they've had training. Unless you
1: don't have education or experience, right? right? Like Like you... <laughs> Right. Like if, like a blo- if, been if, if you're above- still in the blooming, buzzing, confusion stage of life. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so,
0: yes, I would say I'm going to give myself, this could put me in the spiritual narcissism class, but I'll give myself a six for that.
1: All right, well, yeah, clearly. Um, <laughs> because of my background and experiences, and not now it's not education, experience. now they're switching it up to be background and experiences, I am more in touch with my body than other people. <laughs> 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 so, one of our listeners tweeted that they get more uh they learn more about from listening to us about what it's like to be in a boy's locker room yeah um and i <laughs> when i read that i was like oh shit she's right <laughs>
0: and and not like it wasn't meant as a compliment I don't no think. no yeah.
1: <laughs> but you know i can take i can
0: take. <laughs> but anyway like i don't out. even know why you happen to bring that up right now Uh <laughs> <laughs> more in touch with my body because of my background and experience.
1: That's weird. What background leads you to be more in touch with Yeah. I, I mean, mean, okay, if reading all of this uh, like with the lens of <laughs> hey, think about mindfulness meditation as a practice, now answer these questions, then you might be able to interpret these right in a way that they Maybe. might mean. But but they're, they don't do that and moreover, they're looking at a, a bunch of different people who don't
0: that, that's just asking you like if you're coming at this blind that's just asking you like if do you think you jerk off more than other people <laughs> <laughs> like that's exactly. that's how that's, that's the, the only whole, real way to understand only, that question that's
1: the only the only thing um here's the the other thing that really bugs me is this is uh supposed to be a scale of superiority now suppose that you are a huge mindfulness practitioner or you just are like a regular practitioner of mindfulness meditation, you ought to answer highly on all of these things if what you're asked to do is compared to most other people. And like that would be, I think, accurate. But scoring high here is supposed to indicate some sort of smugness. So I think you're right that, like, they're just starting with the assumption that people who think they're badass at mindfulness meditation are smug.
0: They do say at the end it could be that they are actually spir- spiritually superior. Yeah. So, like, I was happy to see that they at least acknowledged that that was an issue. <laughs> and if this was measuring something like, you know, like, are you more aware and mindful, which it it isn't at all. It's measuring something, no. like, very strange –
1: Right, because they have a separate mindfulness scale that's not theirs. but yeah. there is, I guess. It's- but
0: I like I, I I don't know what that thing is supposed to be that they're measuring. Like I said, I think it's it's measuring something about yeah, like arrogance in be- feeling like you can understand something that is. And, and also patience or, like, maybe if you're getting paid, you need the money or something like that. But this is the thing. Like, this is this is your cottage industry problem. Um, like, these scales, the, 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 I want to read the way they just introduce the, the scales. They, uh, okay, can
1: I read? There's only one more item, so can okay, I just yeah, yeah. read you the last yes, item? Sure. Because there is a point that I want to make about, yeah, yeah. like, these specific items. Okay, the last one is, the world would be a better place if others, too, had the insights that I have now. That's the first one
0: that kind of maybe feels like you might be getting something like, but at the same time, like certainly the world would be a better place if the world had some of the insights that I have. Well, and, and
1: it just, yeah, that's sort of what it means to believe something to be true Right, is that you think others should believe it to be true. Yeah. So, um, but 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 I I
0: do feel like for some reason, like I, if I answered like a seven or a six, I would feel like I was.
1: Yeah. You're being arrogant. yeah, Yeah. Being arrogant. So there's just this one, just like measurement issue that I have with this. I mean, I have many, but the one that just strikes you when you read these is none of these, like, one of the questions says, compared to most others, and another one says to most people. Another one just says, see things that others overlook. Um, right. Uh, um, like, so that other that could be
0: like one, like, like a couple others.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. And one of them is just, I'm aware of things that others aren't aware of. So like- others uh, like there's just not clear and the world would be a better place if others had the insights that i have now it's just not it's not at all clear that um you're not changing the way that people are are thinking about the comparison group in the way that you ask the question right or you're just banking on that they're they're using the same it would be ideal if they just said like think of for instance an average friend of yours and then you have that one person in mind. And then all of these can be evaluated according to a standard. I mean, they would still be shitty questions. <laughs> right. But it still would they make, least...
0: like, it, then, like, the question still makes no sense. Because take yeah. my average friend. What does he think about, like, what's between heaven and earth?
1: Right. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, it like, this is what you always do. You're like... Like try to you think it just needs some tweaking, some fine tuning, some finishing touches, and then we're, and then this could be told But I think the problem is much more fundamental here. Well, I mean, so you're right. It's not that you're not right about these things, but well, this
1: is why I was I was coming in. I told you earlier. I was yeah. coming in wanting to defend this paper <laughs> from like what I call your facile criticisms of like that you can't measure anything. But, like, I believe you can measure something. I don't believe that they've measured anything here.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and so there's two issues, right? So this is, this is how they lead into the spiritual superiority mm-hmm. and narcissism scale. They say the term spiritual narcissism has been used in several books, e.g. May 1987 and papers, both scientific and journalistic. But none of this work has empirically examined the relationship between spiritual development and self-enhancement. So their reason for thinking that there is this human trait or property called spiritual superiority or narcissism, that just the basis for believing it, reifying it, is it has been used in several books and papers. Yeah. And then so this is clearly a thing. Like nobody's denying that this is a thing, yeah. but the one thing that we're doing is figuring out a way to measure it and and then also how it relates to these other things. And, no, it's and, just not
1: enough. That's not enough, right? Like there are things that people have said in lots of books,
0: right? Exactly. And it's just like uh, like you were saying, there's no way to validate it. No way to know if what they're capturing is is a real thing, like or what they're trying to capture is a real thing. And there's no way of knowing if they ha- the measure has captured it even if it is a real thing.
1: Even if it is a real thing, like and, I would suspect that it's not it, right. it's not doing a good job of capturing it. And and you really do, like if you're going to yeah. do scale construction, show me that like the thing that you've just come up with as a construct, Um, okay, I do, like, okay, like, I feel like when I read the title, I know some people who are smug about their spirituality, right? right? So, those people tend to behave in certain ways. So, give me a study that shows that people who score high on that scale are also, like, doing these other things that I find consistent with what I would consider. Like, you want to show, like, that not just that psychometrically, like, this is decent, but you want to show that, like, I don't know, like, other people... Um, like, like peer self ratings, peer ratings, um, uh, you know, you want like behavior that that's what it means to validate a scale. This is just like, and they do this with four brand new scales. Like that's just
0: right. The self-esteem like, one is three items as someone emailed us about Oh that. yeah.
1: Is that, is that right? Yeah. So they come up with like, uh, a couple of other scales um, it's like of a, their own.
0: It's like a, it's very strange. Supernatural overconfidence scale.
1: Yeah. Uh, I feel like, does that just mean like when you're a kid and you think you might be able to move something with a force?
0: Like Ori or my jinxing beliefs, my very <laughs> strong <jinxing>. and certain <laughs> jinxing beliefs. Um, but this is more like, this really is just like what you would think if I didn't know what energetic training was, I would think it's people who score high, but that's like, because they believe these things. And, and again, this is not this, although this is billed as some sort of veiled critique of mild or not veiled, just an outright critique of mindfulness. It really is mostly about these energetic training people.
1: Yeah. They're like crystal healing people. So, you know, you're. But the, the, the
0: people they quote are talking about mindfulness, like the people who, you know, what gives this its interest is that it's, that there's mindfulness, I mean, or not interest, but uh, I don't know, it's what draws attention to it because... Yeah, of course, if you do energetic training, you have some kooky beliefs. and you Right. Um, so
1: with the, so with the, in the press release, it says, as the authors predicted, these correlations were strongest for participants following forms of energetic training. These participants rated higher than the mindfulness meditation students on all of the superiority-related scales, especially on the scale of supernatural overconfidence. This makes sense, the authors right, as energetic training is meant to develop supernatural skills. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this likely attracts students who already believe they have talents in this area. Or who
0: now <laughs> believe it. I mean, or like, who, yeah. Or yeah. that the training, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so well, the other part that they make a big deal about is this relationship with narcissism, that spiritual superiority is related to narcissism. And, you know, I guess, like, those those items that I just described, like, I guess they would correlate with narcissism just because thinking highly of yourself, no matter what you ask.
0: Right. Right,
1: like no matter anything positive that you ask, you're going to think highly of yourself if you're a narcissist. Like I don't know that's a finding. They they certainly don't show anything like showing that there's another scale of spiritual knowledge that's not correlated with narcissism. You know, you'd want to show that that you have other measures that um, would tease apart this whole spiritual superiority from something related, not just giving people a bunch of positive. No. And then they use a, like a weird scale of narcissism. They're like, we didn't want to use just the regular narcissism oh, scale yeah. because we thought that wouldn't work. Well, if you thought that wouldn't work, like you'd want to know like a clinical narcissism scale. Like right. that's the claim. So we just made they up use... our own. Commu- no, <laughs> no, I don't know. They, no, they got this one from somebody commun- else. Yeah, it's the communal
0: yeah. narcissism. So. Okay, so here are the items. I looked yes. up the
1: items for this one too. Okay, good. I am the most helpful person I know. <laughs>
0: okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm going to bring peace and justice to the world.
0: Wait, is this regular or communal?
1: This is the communal narcissism scale. Okay. So it's like communal in the sense that you, are, you have an inflated view of how important you are to other people. Okay. All right. yeah. um, I'm the best friend someone can have. <laughs> I will be well known for the good deeds I will have done. I am going to be or am the best parent on this planet. I am the most caring person in my social surrounding. In the future, I will be well known for solving the world's problems. I greatly enrich others' lives. I will bring freedom to the people. Now, this is just starting to be great.
0: I love this. (laughs) This is great. I would believe that you're either a narcissist or you have a good sense of humor.
1: (laughs) I am an amazing listener. I will be able to solve world poverty. (laughs) I have a... (laughs) Is that narcissism? I mean, sure. You're probably... Like, if... If you're a narcissist, maybe you would answer highly. But that seems like a real specific kind of belief. Like, I'm going to actually solve the world's problems.
0: Right. Right. I don't know if it's a more admirable. It does feel Mm -hmm. like you'd have to. But my guess is that everyone answers these questions very low on the scale. And what they're looking at is differences between very low numbers.
1: I'm looking to see if they have. They don't list. I don't think. uh, Yeah, they don't list the actual I averages like- on communal narcissism in the tables but maybe they say <laughs> anyway, it's not it won't make a difference <laughs> no. um, but yeah. this is the thing and this is
0: in a good journal and so you can just make up like traits and you can make up scales to measure the traits without like doing any real work to suggest that any of this stuff is capturing something real or um and capturing it accurately so like you know that's a that's a problem when we when we do our is philosophy or psychology more fucked thing. Yeah, this is a big problem. That probably this is a particularly egregious example of it. But it's like it the, the 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 central point probably applies to more studies and more constructs and more various things than you might be comfortable with.
1: Well, I mean, this is a deep. So this is what just Flake, um, friend of the show, an avid listener. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is what she goes on about. Like if you're gonna there are ways to do validity studies.
0: Just Flake you're talking about? Yeah,
1: yeah. just flake. Um this is uh the kind of habit that social psychologists have picked up that is exactly like the the you know, the bee in her bonnet, which is like it's just like become convention that you can you can do this and you should not be able to do this like this is not the the standard for saying that you have a new construct should be a lot higher than this yeah Uh, and i you know so maybe if they actually were to do it right they would show that this actually isn't you know i'm but just like it doesn't pass the, the 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 sniff test when you read those items you're like this isn't this isn't how I would ask about spiritual superiority. That certainly doesn't—it doesn't seem to fit with, like, if there is such a thing, you know? Um, yeah. and The it's bar sort of, needs to be higher.
0: And And again, what it's trying to capture is something—like, the reason I think that this gets play is we know people who— um, seem to think too highly of themselves spiritually and it can even be related to your, your spiritual practice of some sort. And they quote like uh, a couple authors, a couple of Buddhist authors, I think, who talk about this phenomenon. And in those quotes and in their description of their, it's You have way more insight, like, into what they're talking about than anything that you get from this paper. Like, the idea that this adds anything to it rather than just sends it down, like, jumbling down into nonsense is, like, I would strongly reject.
1: Yeah. Yep. You know, um, it's funny in, like, a lot of social psych papers, if you only bother to go and find, you know, and, like, some, like— older papers especially, they'll say like we made up a 10-item scale and here are two example questions. And you don't even see the items. So I think that for any paper saying that they have a measure of X, like the first thing you should do is go look and read those items to see if it even passes that first line of defense against common sense. And often they just don't.
0: But also establish that there is a thing that a scale could capture. That's the other thing. Like you can make up anything. You can just put some words together. Like spiritual. There's no way to falsify. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's no way to falsify. I once wanted to propose a measure of alternate explanations. So I was just going to come up with a really shitty questionnaire that like had such bad psychometric properties that you could always insert it as a control in your experiments and say we we ruled out alternative explanations (laughs) because you could like if nobody bothered to check like you could just say that something is a thing create a scale show that those things correlate with each other and claim that now this is evidence. It's hard to think of what, what would falsify the belief that there is a construct called spiritual superiority. Yeah. Like it's, it's not clear what would what well, they ha- would accept as evidence that this construct doesn't exist.
0: Maybe if it hadn't been mentioned in several books, that would falsify it. But <laughs> since it has, that establishes its existence.
1: You need to be mentioned in at <laughs> least 13 books. <laughs>
0: it can't be one or two. It has to be several. <laughs>
1: I believe I believe that's how the moral foundation scale got started, so I don't, you know, don't shit on that.
0: <laughs> John Haidt, uh, he said it. David Pizarro, <laughs> not me. And uh, Jesse.
1: And don't Jesse, drag down yeah. Jesse with your... Jesse's a wonderful guy, and he was subjected already to a lot of our questioning, so listen to that episode if you want.
0: Because
1: yeah. we actually got... This is before you got all like all in a huff with your, what I call, a construct called measurement superiority <laughs> that I believe that you're high in.
0: Social psychology skepticism.
1: <laughs> yeah. Is that a construct? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but we talked a lot about measurement, um, like how they came up with that scale in those episodes, um, because...
0: I- I- I was probably cr- too credulous, right?
1: Uh, <laughs> or drunk.
0: Yeah, or drunk, or both. Okay. Um, he, you can also hear Jesse as a Patreon member. Um, there's, I think, eight hours of him and That's and me and Natalia talking about uh, David Lynch-related material. All right, are we done All with right. this? I think so. All
1: right. Sorry, um, authors.
0: Let's talk about something that we that we loved: H.P. Lovecraft's. The color out of space.
1: This episode of Very Bad Wizards is brought to you by NordVPN. Tamler, I've been meaning to use a VPN for a long time now. I just never got around to it. Have you you ever used one? Do Do you even know what a VPN is? I mean,
0: I've definitely heard of it. (laughs) <laughs> and I, uh,
1: <laughs> VPN is just a virtual private network. So it's basically like a tunnel where your internet traffic goes through. And there's a few reasons to do it. The first one really is security. So if you're ever like in a coffee shop and it just says like free wifi or whatever, you log on, logging onto a VPN first will encrypt it. So no bad guys can, can sniff you out. No Elliot's. No, Elliot's. That's right. Well, you <laughs> <depends could> can probably <laughs> what you're doing with your connection. Um, the second reason is privacy. A lot of people don't. I don't think they realize that like even if you protect yourself, even if you don't give up all your info to Google and Facebook like I do, your ISP, your Internet service provider sees everything. And if they see everything, Guess what? So probably so does the government. And a good <laughs> VPN can, can prevent you from, uh, from having all of that information just available by subpoena. And, and finally, like this is the real reason, I think, that, uh, that maybe our listeners would want a VPN. And that is because you can tell it where you're uh, connecting from. And you can spoof a geographical location. So um, a lot of our listeners aren't in the U.S., And when we say that we've watched something on Netflix or we tell people where where they can stream a movie, sometimes we're just wrong about them being able to, and they they just can't. But if you use NordVPN, you can, guess what? You can unlock British Netflix. You can unlock, you know, whatever. Dutch Netflix, US Netflix, Canadian Netflix, all of that stuff. One of the big reasons that I never used a VPN before was because I had tried it and it was slow and sluggish. But NordVPN is actually super fast. They have 5,200 servers in 59 countries, and you can connect to your closest one. And I didn't notice any difference. It was a super fast connection. They don't log any data. They have 24-7 customer support. You can use up to six simultaneous connections. So I actually installed mine on my iPhone, on my iPad, and on my, home, my desktop computer that I'm recording uh, now with. And it's seamless, it's super easy. And maybe the best part of it all is that it has a built-in ad blocker. Uh,
0: iPhone? Does it work on an iPhone?
1: Yeah, it works on an iPhone. It works on an iPad. Uh. So subscribe to NordVPN now. And if you do, you'll get 68% off. It's only $3.71 per month. Plus, if you purchase a two-year plan, you'll get four months for free. And... If you're a Very Bad Wizards listener, you get a surprise gift. So go to nordvpn.com slash vbw and use our coupon vbw at checkout. Again, you'll get a deal, a free gift, and four free months at nordvpn.com slash vbw. Thank you to NordVPN for sponsoring this episode of Very Bad Wizards. Welcome back to Very Bad Wizards. This is the time of the episode where, as always, we like to really, really thank all of our listeners, our supporters, um, and just reach out to you and personally thank you uh, for all of the communication that we get from you, all of the the messages, all of the discussion that we get. We we really appreciate it. I actually got um, a, a couple of emails just in this last month that... Um, it's just made me happy. Like it actually, like I was actually feeling down that day and that brought me back up. So we really appreciate all of it. Um, yeah, for sure. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at very at gmail.com or you can tweet to us at very or at Tamler and at peas. You can hop on to our lively Reddit forum, our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash verybadwizards and just interact with fellow listeners. Um, It's always lively. In addition to uh, reaching out to us with a message, We really appreciate it if if you're so inspired to go give us a rating on Apple Music and maybe even leave a review. We we always appreciate seeing those. Oh, you can go to Instagram to follow our Instagram page. We release every episode with a little announcement there. Finally, listen or subscribe to us on Spotify.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah! Give us a five star rating on, on Apple Podcast too, because we're still getting some shit reviews from the <laughs> all the, the one, rage the episode. One, sorry. sorry that we, do, sorry that we are against police violence. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you should piss them off more. <laughs>
0: And if you would like to support us in more tangible ways, you can leave us a one-time donation on PayPal, or you can go to our Patreon page and support us on Patreon. All these are available on the support link at verybadwizards.com. Um, If you become a patron, there are several tiers. No matter what tier you are, you'll get ad-free episodes um, every time we drop one. Uh, At $2 per episode, you will get bonus episodes, and we have some bonus episodes in mind, including an episode of Atlanta. Possibly this year, since I'm not going to be live with my stepmother, We might do kind of an abbreviated version for the main podcast and an extended version of our drunken um podcast. at least debate that we do every Thanksgiving. So uh, we're usually together at Thanksgiving, not this year. But uh, well, yeah. now
1: I'm really pissed at COVID. Yeah, like now this is just this, this is, is just the push final. me. Over. I'm gonna totally start wearing a mask. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, yeah, no, this is the the final straw with COVID. So yes, you can join uh, there as a two dollar and get our bonus episodes. Five dollar and up per episodes, you will get our. Brothers Karamazov series that we did for Himalaya. Another way to get that is to go to the Himalaya app. You can buy the all of a la carte. You can buy all of those episodes on the Brothers Karamazov, which we we really love and we're proud of, for five dollars there, or join up to their service. Um, and our patrons also get a nice bonus extended free period on their app as well Um, and you can finally you can buy just an awesome t-shirt hoodie sweatshirt so soft
1: um cool just i mean that seems like the perfect perfect holiday gift for that person in your life it really does (laughs) yes
0: um, there is no better holiday gift that you can get. There is literally no best holiday gift.
1: And buy it for yourself, honestly. Fuck everybody else. Buy it for yourself.
0: It was ranked the best holiday gift by many objective <laughs> By
1: Consumer Reports. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Motor. It was Motor Trend's sweatshirt of the year. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: So, yeah. Uh, thank you to all of you. We really appreciate it. So let's get back to the episode. All right. Uh, welcome back to Very Bad Wizards. We're going to talk about H.P. Lovecraft's The Color Out of Space. Um, I want to give a quick shout-out to the Weird Studies podcast and J.F. Martell. They're very inspired by um, Lovecraft and weird fiction on that show, weird literature in general. And um, also, um, he specifically, I emailed him to ask what he recommended uh, of Lovecraft, and this was, I think, his top choice. That um, And it's great it's really, really good. I don't, it's a 1927 story by H.P. Lovecraft. Um, I think it was his favorite story that he did. What did you think of it, Dave? Uh,
1: you know, <clears throat> I loved it. Uh, but as I say that, I'm sort of embarrassed to say that I've never read any Lovecraft before. Yeah, me like yeah. I've been Lovecraft adjacent <laughs> for a long time. And I certainly knew about like Cthulhu, however it's pronounced. Yeah. Um, and the the, the sort of lore. But I had never read one of his stories. And I don't know what I thought. <clears throat> I thought I think I thought that he wasn't a good writer. Like I think in my mind he was sort of like a sort of hammy, right. like, you know. Ponderous, um,
0: maybe like, yeah. I had the same preconception yeah. going in.
1: Um, and this was great. I mean, I think <clears throat> I think it would be hard to write good horror like to give people the real sense yeah. of dread. Um, and it reminded me a lot, actually, of Edgar Allan Poe. I'm yeah. sure people have made that comparison before. That just a, does a good job of, yeah.
0: It creates a like, mood, like a, just a creeping dread, a feeling yeah. of, uh, I took a walk, I reread it again today, and I took a walk... And, like, I was just looking at everything with suspicion and, like, it had me in a mood of feeling like something's off, something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you're really paying attention to people, like you are when you're in this state, people do weird things. And so <laughs> it's, like, they're just only confirming that something is, like, deeply off. Like, it gets you in that frame of mind. Um, and it's also just propulsive and, like, narratively, like, it's it moves the story.
1: Yeah. It's just... Is well written, <laughs> like it's it's not short, you know, it's not that short, Ooh. I guess, but um, but I it captured me, and I was just like, as I was reading, I just wanted to keep getting to, to the more and more, and like it, it just did, it it good, did a good job, yeah. It builds, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, but, I think it's also a story for our age. Um, I mean, I think you could probably say that about a lot of ages, but this thing that invades this town or and this family in particular could serve as an allegory for so many things, but including, like, a <laughs> virus that, yeah, like, isolates people and slowly drives them completely insane, right? That's, like, it is yeah. this thing, and, and that, like, scientists don't really understand, it does kind of ha- capture it. Now, that's a pretty... I don't know. That's almost an explicit connection that you could draw, but there are all sorts of implicit ones too. Yeah, just this yeah. fear of something that's unknowable, undescribable, and um, and that's kind of just relentless. Like this thing it, that's affecting this family and this town is just relentless. It doesn't. It doesn't stop. It just builds and builds.
1: I mean, I, I read it as clearly a metaphor for like the woke left. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, uh, like, <laughs> and
0: one, and then you know, soon it'll be too late to stop them. <laughs> the Vlad, the Vlads will rule <laughs> rule the world.
1: Shout out to Vlad. Um, there, there is a like. There's a good sense. You know, like the the original meaning of awesome. Like, like the horror of the other and of the like the other, the unknown, and the just you you never get a sense of the boundaries of this thing right like you it could it could be that it is going to overtake everything in time yes. and like the grandiosity of that it's just an emotion that is you know he wrote this in 1927 as we said and it's not like there was even n- nuclear Uh, Right. Power. It absolutely (laughs) seems like it
0: could be like a metaphor for that. But it'll also be a a kind of an allegory for like his racism and xenophobia. Like (laughs) Yeah, he
1: was apparently terrible.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he was not he was not enlightened. Um even for his time, I guess. Um um, so a surveyor goes to this town where they have like there there's this blasted heath that they talk about in the surrounding forest where everything just looks a little bit off in the surrounding forest and then the blasted heath it's like nothing can grow there it's like burnt and it has this horrific or supernatural kind of um sinister aspect to it or at least just very strange and unsettling aspect to it and he Asks all the people in the town, like, what's going on? What's there? Why are there these roads that are now covered in vegetation? He's surveying it because they want to put a lake on top of it.
1: Right. And
0: nobody will talk about it in the town. And they, they mention this crazy guy um, named Ami. Who, as a farmer, who who, who sounds who, Israeli? Yeah, he does. He <laughs> talks about it, uh, but he, you know they kind of dismiss him as crazy. But then the narrator goes and talks to Ami, and then Ami tells the story of this meteor that crashed not that long ago. It was like f- thirty or forty years pre- before the narrator is telling yeah, the like story. Yeah, like half a, ha, yeah, half like a century. Years,
1: maybe half a century, I think. Yeah.
0: And the at first. The scientists came to see the the meteor, and they kind of splintered it, took it apart and all and what they would take back to the lab behaved very strangely and Then, once they got far enough into the meteor, they found this like uh this bit of this globule of this color how do they How do they describe it? I think I wrote this down um They had uncovered what seemed to be the side of a large colored globule embedded in the substance. The color, which resembled some of the bands in the meteor's strange spectrum, was almost impossible to describe, and it was only by analogy that they called it color at all. Uh, And this is a big thing, this color, which isn't even a color. It's just that's the closest we can get to conveying sort of what what this thing actually was is is really interesting, and that's the so kind of thing that spreads um, in, in, in very, e- not evil exactly, but just very unsettling ways um, yeah. and destructive ways. And so before we even hear the story, the surveyor says after he heard the story, he went home, quit his job, and he's never <laughs> going back to that place um, ever again. And then you hear the story, which is once the scientists were doing it every time they would bring the stuff back to the lab it would just disappear and also the beakers that it was in would also yeah, disappear the, the
1: glass would get like consumed by it somehow or like disappear yeah, yeah.
0: and 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 meanwhile the meteor is getting smaller once the, even though they initially thought that that was not possible, they have the kind of arrogance of scientists at first, <laughs> where they're like, "No, no, no!" Like you don't understand, and so the, they they and they rule out any kind of supernatural explanation. So they feel like this thing is, you know, has to obey the laws of the the earth, and it's just clearly doesn't do that. Finally, it just disappears altogether. After a lightning storm, the scientists have nothing really else to do, so they just go back. And then now, this thing, whatever it is, starts creeping into the family that lives there uh, Nahum or Nahum Gardner and his wife and four sons. And just the way in which it starts to attack this family and the the foliage around there. The vegetation at first. The vegetation, yeah.
1: the The first fruits and vegetables to come up surrounding the house, um, they look like big and like you know like, like a good crop. Um, and then they just there. <clears throat> there's something so powerful about the way you describe like yeah. the sight of the fruit that. But then you open it and it's just just it's like smells terrible and is like rotten but not rotten you know it's like,
0: yeah it's it's nausea inducing without but and disgusting but not in a not in a way that you understand it's like <laughs> yeah, a new exactly. way that something would be like that and i love that at first it seems like oh this is great you know like this is actually a yeah. good thing and yeah. then it but, but then click quickly becomes, like, non-functional and poisonous. And, and um, yeah, and then so, so it spreads to, the, to the, all the plants, which become inedible, all the, the agriculture. And then it just in this family farm, and then the animals, like, the dogs are freaked out. The um, horses always, like, try to get away from there. And, and soon they start dying. And then also the, the family starts going quickly mad. So first it affects their behavior, even the animals too, they start sort of scattering around, um, not Based, acting like yeah. they normally would, and then it gets into their heads, and they slowly become insane. Like both the the mother and one of the sons have to be locked in the attic, and they start like because the like this yeah.
1: as 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 you do as, as you do, does. yeah. He
0: puts them like first the mother in the attic. Well, he let them so so here's here's the description I did write this down in her raving there was not a single specific noun but only verbs and pronouns things moved and changed and fluttered and ears tingled to impulses which were not holy sounds something was taken away she was being drained of something something was fascinating itself on her that ought not to be someone must make it keep off nothing was ever still in the night the walls and windows shifted Nahum did not send her to county asylum, but let her wander around the house as long as she was harmless to herself and others. Even when her expression changed, he did nothing. But when the boys grew afraid of her and Thaddeus nearly fainted at the way she made faces at him, he decided to keep her locked in the ad. (laughs) By July, she had ceased to speak and crawled on all fours. And before that month was over, Nahum got the mad notion she was slightly luminous in the dark, as he now clearly saw was the case (laughs) with the nearby vegetation. It was a little before this that the horses had stampeded. So you can see, like, that's a passage that just kind of describes the way this thing just creeps in and starts to take you over, but gradually in a way that, well, you definitely don't understand what's happening or even that
1: it's happening. Yeah. Uh, I love that the description of the vegetation. <laughs> At some point, he he says the asters and goldenrod bloomed gray and distorted, and the roses and zinnias and hollyhocks in the front yard were such blasphemous looking things <laughs> that Nahum's oldest boy Zenas cut them down. It's like what, <laughs> what looks blasphemous? I I love the way he describes things without without describing them. Like
0: this is one of the really interesting ways ab- that this is constructed. Like the, it has this kind of Russian doll like construction where we're getting the story from the narrator who's getting it from uh, Ami, the farmer. And, and Ami himself got most of the story from Nahum Gardner, and right. all of them admit that that like a big part of it is indescribable. So they have to use these analogies, like blasphemous or right. like the, the Yeah, he talks about it like ought not to be, like yeah. <laughs> what is this thing? You yeah, know, like, yeah,
1: that's what we should talk. Like I want to talk about that sort of yeah. the, the there. There are words that that he never says that like evil. Um, yeah, but because I don't think I think it's evil is more.
0: I don't know, of this earth than yeah, what's going on yeah, here.
1: Yeah, it is, right. You get the sense that maybe this thing isn't a terrible thing by nature. It's just from such a different plane of existence that it is wreaking havoc here. And it is, it doesn't belong. It just does not belong. Like m- multiple mentions of the laws of nature and the laws of this universe. Um, and And so it's violating both physically and perhaps broadly morally in the sense that it ought not exist, but not as an evil. Not, it's, yeah. It's yeah, results. not as an
0: evil, as something that is just external to us. Yeah. Like yeah. that is a thing, like external to us and kind of incompatible with us in, yeah, in some right.
1: way. Right. right, right, But
0: it's, it's not it's trying equally. to conquer us. It's, you don't get the sense that it's trying to invade us or that, mm-hmm. that there's any real rhyme or reason.
1: Right. Um, continue with the, Sorry.
0: Oh, yeah. And then so once uh, the thing now sends the, the both the, the oldest son and the mother insane, then one of the sons goes missing, then another son goes missing, and then the last time um, Ami goes to the house... The, the thing is in the house like fully now and it finally gets to Nat, Nahum Gardner After that he dies everybody everybody dies the two two of the middle kids are at the bottom of the well. And, yeah. um, the poor Ami has to go back to the.
1: To yeah. The, Cause he tells everybody, yeah, oh, they're all dead. And they're like, right, okay, right. so you just found them there. He's like, yeah, I swear right. you guys can come if you want.
0: So now he has to go back there and they have to go to the well, which is sort of the center of this place. Cause it yeah. has some relationship to water and liquid, even though that the the water is completely undrinkable and poisonous as is everything around there. Yeah. So, And then the thing just sort of gathers most of what it is, and... It gathers like it's, 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 it seems like it's going around, like finding the little remnants of itself, and then just shoots up in an image that I feel like I've seen in so many movies. Just that <laughs> vertical, all of a yeah. sudden, this thing is just standing there, this thing that nobody has seen before or knows how to describe. And then it just immediately shoots up like a rocket or a meteor back to wherever it was.
1: Yeah. Like a but big there, column of, of light and energy. Yeah. Um, that is, that is this very queer color, as he calls it.
0: But then the, there's definitely hints that it's still there and that it's still affecting that town, but much, much grad, more gradually now because it's smaller. and it's um, But there's no stopping it, yeah. that's for sure. Today's episode is brought to you by GiveWell. Dave, it's been a while since I've taught intro to ethics face-to-face, and you know what I miss the most about that?
1: The stages of singer.
0: Yes, the stages of Singer, famine, affluence, and morality. The class gets really worked up by his argument that it's deeply immoral not to give way more money than we do to alleviate poverty, suffering, and death. Um, And of course, the first objection, the first stage of Singer, is almost always that charities can't be trusted, they're corrupt, you don't know whether they're effective, it'll all go to waste anyway. Well... You know, it was never the best objection, but with GiveWell, now it is completely untenable. For over 10 years, GiveWell.org has helped donors find the charities and projects that save and improve lives most per dollar. They dedicate over 20,000 hours a year researching charitable organizations, and they handpick a few of the highest impact evidence-based charity. All of that research, and I love this, is available for free on their rep website and more importantly give never takes any fees so all of your tax deductible donations are given to the charity that you choose dave do you know how much donors have given since 2010 to the most effective charities
1: i don't but i hope it's a big big number
0: million. Most importantly, these donations will save over 75,000 lives and improve the lives of millions more. So whether it's medicine or mosquito nets to prevent malaria, vaccinations, deworming, or just straight-up cash transfers for extreme poverty, GiveWell finds the most effective philanthropies to do the most good. Right now, if you want your donation to have even more impact, act soon. Any of our listeners who become new GiveWell donors, they will have their first donation matched up to $250. When you go to givewell.org slash verybadwizards and select podcast and then very bad wizards at checkout. So you go to givewell.org slash verybadwizards, select podcast um, when you check out, and enter "very bad wizards." And this matching offer is good for as long as funds last. So act soon. This is a really special chance to make even a small donation make a big impact. Thank you so much to givewell.org for sponsoring this episode. We love GiveWell.
1: I love how it's like, so it kills, as you said, all the vegetation. Everything that it, everything that's living, it seems to destroy eventually. And it, things turn into like an ashen sort of like crumbly um, gray. texture. Gray. Yeah,
0: like a gray dust.
1: <clears throat> right. And um, the the people around there swear that it's getting bigger. Yeah. Even though it might only be whatever, like an inch a year. <laughs>
0: yeah. People say the color of the neighboring herbage is not quite right in the spring <laughs> and that wild things leave queer prints in the light winter snow and hunters cannot depend on their dogs. Dogs are usually a good sign of whether something is, is off, off or not. Yeah. yeah. So I, I it's a really interesting story. It really seems to capture like when I say like that it captures. it's a story for our age, it also captures this feeling that something is off. Something is wrong. Something's not, you know, as it ought to be. Right. And, but, it, like, unlike conspiracy theories, in some ways, it's, like, the opposite of conspiracy theories. Because even though there's that same sense that something is not as it ought to be and wrong and not, like, you know, sort of what the official explanation is, it's corrupted in some sense. But instead of having, like, an elaborate explanation, there's no explanation and, yeah. fact, and no understanding it And no way to describe it in words, even if somehow you did have some sort of direct contact with it, there's this inability to even convey that information to yourself yeah. or to others. You right. know, the, so. the,
1: the use of the color analogy is great because, you know, who doesn't think, like, you know, Im- imagine, imagine a color that you've never seen, right? It's, it is beyond imagination it's it's a great way to try to describe that something is indescribable. because um, yeah. just saying it's indescribable is like, okay, like I'm gonna have some image in my mind of it. That's why I really, you know, um, we we mentioned before we recorded that this has been made into various movies. I can't imagine wanting to see a like no. it seems to defeat the very like it's supposed to be indescribable and I suppose you could do it well where you never show any of it. And this is one of the the characteristics that it seems to have that I don't think you touched on, but which is, it is attracting. It has a, a, a power to attract them, and even though they know that the effects are are damaging, yeah, they're not leaving. Like, right, and and in fact, the source of this appears to be you know whatever remnants were in the well. Um, is what you know one of the kids kept going constantly to the well and couldn't pull himself away so there is something just uh, really disturbing about something that you know is is bad or harmful yet you can't you right. can't stop yourself from from right being with it or next to it or whatever it's
0: like if you had like contaminated milk or something like that or but you could Mm -hmm. but you couldn't stop drinking it even though you knew it was bad and that's like what this thing is is this yeah it's both something that you know is affecting you you know i mean i guess it could stand in for like iphones like you know it's fucking you up and (laughs) yet you're still drawn to it um
1: and everybody, it's not, it doesn't seem to have the same exact effect on everybody. So the wife clearly, like, um, yeah, goes crazy when, when, uh, like, almost right she, away. Yeah. Yeah. It says, when the boys grew afraid of her and Thaddeus nearly fainted at the way she made faces at him, yeah. he decided to keep her locked in the attic. And then she ends up stop, ceases to speak and crawls on all fours, which, by the way, is a you know, obviously she was sort of like, alluding to her being wild and an animal and like losing her mind. But it reminded me of, in the Bible, King Nebuchadnezzar, when God strikes him hungry, he's, he's sent to the fields to, to live on all fours and his hair gets long and he yeah. lives like a wild animal for, for seven years. Um, that doesn't happen to the other ones, right? But they No. The, the bo- uh, to Thaddeus it does. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thaddeus went mad as well. He um, went
0: mad and yeah. probably – and then died in a way that is too awful to describe. Yeah, That's what yeah. – the, the, the Nahem didn't uh, – he, he wouldn't even tell right. uh, yeah. Ami what the, how that happened. Such but you get the horror. sense. It sounds like we see what happened with <laughs> yeah. the, because we see what happened with the mother. And, or, or we don't. That's the thing. It's like also too awful to describe. But The only thing we know is that he probably killed yeah. her.
1: Yeah, like, put like her a, some sort of misery. mercy killing, because like yeah. she was starting to turn into some gray, you know, creature. Um uh But and he thought she was dead, but she kept moving. Is that right? Like, yeah, she kept moving it shouldn't toward him. Move <laughs> it shouldn't move. There's a lot of this ought and shouldn't. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, part of what they're doing at first is trying to figure out what's going on. Like, is it poison? But it couldn't have been because it's affecting animals that have been locked in a barn. Like, it's right. not— Or who
0: aren't eating any of the who vegetation. Who aren't eating any of the stuff, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, I love the way—one um, of the first things that Nahum um, uh, says that he noticed was— you alluded to this—the different behavior of the animals—and this is one of the first things that really got to me somehow. Yeah. Um, he says, uh, Nahum himself gave the most definite statement of anyone when he said he was disturbed about certain footprints in the snow. Now again, like, how, like, what would a disturbing set of footprints look like? Yeah. It's like you know, um, I, I I live where it snows and I see deer and and other animals' footprints in the snow all the time. I wouldn't know what it means that the footprints are disturbing. So he says they were the usual winter prints of red squirrels, white rabbits and foxes, but the brooding farmer professed to see something not quite right about their nature and arrangement. He was never specific, but appeared to think that they were not as characteristic of the anatomy and habits of squirrels and rabbits and foxes as they ought to be.
0: <laughs> right yeah Right. and it's also something that will make you sound like a crackpot if you yeah. tell somebody you know like <laughs> that Rather tracks In-
1: are not quite right <laughs> that's
0: like that's the thing like at least at first it's like that's just look those you know the foliage looks a little bit off the trees are swaying even when there's not enough wind yeah. um and it's only like later that becomes too obvious to deny but at first right. it just makes you seem like you're a loony and that's that's, how, right. that's still how the people in the town seem to think about it, even though they kind of won't really you know, go yeah. there.
1: That makes me think, you know, that slow that slow change into the slow descent. Um, you have you ever been in a relationship that is so bad, but you didn't really realize how bad it was until afterwards? and you were like, right. when you look back, you're like, I guess just it started deteriorating to the point where like at the at, at its worst, you would you would know obviously that's crazy but you you eased yourself into that badness yeah. in a way that you never really noticed it sounds like everything can be explained a little bit you can make excuses for any one thing and before you know it you're just living in a fucking yeah. lovecraftian horror story right
0: and especially like if it initially seemed really luscious and good yeah. and kind of unusual right, right. like it is it's also i think a good um, analogy for that before it and it's only at a certain point like in a destructive right. relationship or whatever where it becomes so obvious that you can't like right. the trees and, are and great, obvious it,
1: to the external world when they come and see it they're like wait this isn't wrong right, like, right you might be you're just like yeah. no no i mean it's yes
0: yeah. they yeah. kept drinking the water even though <laughs> yeah. like everybody realized no no you can't Ami drink told him water.
1: like stop drinking yeah. the water and he was like no, yeah. that yeah. So, yeah
0: the trees is a good like example so at first they're just sort of uh, swaying when there's no wind out. Again, nobody really believes the, the the family when they say that. And then they start turning this weird color um, that's not really a color. Yeah. And then uh, I love this towards the end where the thing has... And he said, Yet amid that amid that tense godless calm, this is I guess this is after it left, um, at, right after it shot up, the high bare boffs of the trees in the yard were moving. They were twitching morbidly and spasmodically, clawing in convulsive, epileptic madness at the moonlit clouds, scratching <laughs> impotently in the noxious air as if jerked by some alien and bodiless link of lineage with subterranean horrors writhing and struggling below the black roots. So it's like the trees want to go up with it or – and yeah. and they're just yeah. – they, it's like driven the trees insane. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like they're reaching out to want to be back with their, whatever thing has taken over.
0: Yeah. They um, are tried. they want it too. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Even though it's destructive for them, it's giving them black roots.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a description about like when the horses go crazy. It says it took a week to track all four of the horses. When when found, they were seen to be quite useless and unmanageable. Something, I don't know why this got to me, something had snapped in their brains and each one had to be shot for its own good. Um, it's like br- just breaking their brains. And again, you get the sense that like whatever this thing is, it's not meant to be around Things like us, it just Living is breaking. Things. It's breaking yeah. things.
0: Yeah, um, and it's not even like not on purpose. Like not no, like yeah. it's just it's very existence. Um, there's no design. This is what totally separates it from conspiracy theories. <laughs> it is. To- there's no explanation for it. There's no design, and and no sci- No way of like scientifically. Um, even approaching it. In fact, like the scientists are worse off than everybody else because they're convinced that it has to be some sort of natural explanation for it. And so they miss things that like the farmer doesn't miss the like the fact that the meteor is getting smaller or the fact and they kind of go in with that overconfidence i mean you could also could have just measured it (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) uh you mentioned like the nuclear like bomb thing it's it's sort of like they go in there they fuck with it and and because they fuck with it like maybe arguably if it had just stayed in the meteor like it would have been fine because nothing yep. had happened before the scientists fucked with it. But they fuck with it, they splinter it, they expose the globule, and yeah. then they just go home after that. And so, yeah. like, they're done, like, they've done their job, they couldn't figure it out, but because they have their prism, they, like, now the, the, the farmers and his family have to deal with what they did. And so you could think of that as a critique of, like, science you know, trying to delve into forces that they don't understand and then just leaving us to deal with it, you know, (laughs) like once they've they've failed.
1: I'm more impressed with this that it's given that it's before like the nuclear age. Yeah. Because um, that grayness of the, you know, this is, it so clearly behaves like radiation. You know, when water is irradiated, you don't know, you you continue to drink it. And if you're thirsty, you're going to continue to drink it and you're just going to like, you know, just your skin will fall off after a while. Right. And the results of a nuclear explosion and a nuclear winter, uh, you know, uh, we've seen yeah. images of Chernobyl forests. It reminded me of Chernobyl forests. Um, but that's that wasn't a thing yet. And so this, is, this was science fiction and horror in, in its best. And I think, yeah, the arrogance of scientists is clear through, you think you know what this is and you shouldn't have fucked with right. it.
0: A, if you think you know it, then you're already epistemologically worse off than just people who are admitting their ignorance. And then B, they actually manipulate it. Now, they're not – this is what scientists do. They're not like yeah, – They had a
1: measure of scientific superiority. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: um, and, and the journalist who like only writes like kind of snide, and <laughs> snarky like columns about it in the family. Um,
1: um, can I read this? Uh, there is this uh, description um, that – Lovecraft gives us of... I I think this is... If there is a creature at all, this is the description where he says, uh, what presence had his cry and entry started up? Halted by some vague fear, he heard still further sounds below. Indubitably, there was a sort of heavy dragging and a most detestably sticky noise as of some fiendish and unclean species of suction. Oh, man. <laughs> species
0: like, of suction. Yeah.
1: It's... It, you know, I think... I'm... I, this kind of writing I'm like some sometimes a little wary of, like when they use too many adjectives and they're trying too hard, but I did not get the sense at all. Even though like when I read the words, it's a very rich description that's kind of over it could be over the top, like with an associative sense goaded to feverish heights. He thought unaccountably yeah. of what he had seen upstairs. Good God, what eldritch dream world was this into which he had blundered? But, it,
0: but this is when in, he's in on this, the steps, just yeah. like he can't go upstairs. Cause that's where he's the woman is who he's just mercy killed. And then down there is, <laughs> yeah. is the it's guy, and his horse just books it like the horse it. and buggy just, just <laughs> and went bolts. home on its own. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: and so do you get what I'm saying? Like this, the writing might be that yes, like on its own, I might, if you had just given me that sentence, I might've been like, uh, it's a little over the top. But it just works here. It's for me at least. Just-
0: yeah, no, it does. And it gives that kind of again, like it's it is just different ways of describing the, ines- the describable just like getting us to be able to conceive of something that we don't have any concepts or categories that yeah. we could use to really try to fully appreciate like what that experience might be and I think the story is very aware of that like yeah. it has to it has to do it that way and even like the fact that we're getting this third and fourth hand yeah. is, is related to that you and know? it's
1: good because the writer then has a conceit for not not being able to describe it. Yeah. And and that gives it lends itself to our imagination just more. That's why I would never want to see a visual depiction of this. Apparently I was reading that he was just like annoyed at how uh science fiction depicted like aliens as just like right. super unimaginatively, you know, like in <laughs> in Star Trek sometimes we just right. call them forehead forehead aliens right. because it's just like yeah. <laughs> You're just a normal person, but no, no, now you have ridges on your forehead.
0: <laughs> right? Dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, so this he, is yeah. alien in the true sense of the term.
1: Tamler, you know, um, I think that our listeners are, are really taking advantage of this next sponsor, uh, which is better help because they keep coming back.
0: Yeah, it's got to be helping a lot of people.
1: I think, especially now, um, there is no better time to look for help. Because, look, there are times when we all need help, all of us. And sometimes it really feels like there's no place to get help. And of course, there are crisis lines that uh, specialize in dealing with particular kinds of emergencies, even mental health emergencies. But what if you just need or want to talk to a professional about some troubles that you've been having um, or just seek advice from a good therapist? Um, in order to improve some aspects of your life that aren't going up very well. Well, you'd have to go about finding a good therapist, make sure they have openings for new patients, that they're taking your insurance, that you can make an appointment soon. And with all the COVID shit that's going on, um, that's harder than ever. But now with BetterHelp, uh, BetterHelp can actually help you connect with a therapist, a licensed professional therapist in a safe and private online environment, and you'll be talking within 24 hours to one of these specialized therapists. They'll assess your needs and match you with a therapist that has experience and expertise in the particular area you're struggling with. Anything you share is confidential. They're convenient, they're professional, they're affordable, and, um, you know, this is exactly the kind of help that a lot of people could use right now. So, so Tamler, what should our listeners do?
0: Well, uh, as a VBW listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com VBW. Uh, you can check out their testimonials posted daily on their site if you want to see um, some more... I don't know, get some more insight in how they can help you. And again, go to uh, betterhelp.com slash VBW to get 10% off your first month. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelphelpcom slash VBW. This is available for our listeners worldwide now. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode
1: there are properties of this thing that I wanted to talk to you about. So like it's contagion, it's spreading the spreading nature of it is very scary. Right. Like, um, and for some reason that slow spread where it's like first affecting the animals, it's like, it's, it's, it really is distressing. It never, it's not like, you know, a beast that runs and chases after you or anything like that. It is, it's, permeates like the way that it spreads it permeates
0: right and it gets you to sort of stick around too somehow but it permeates things that but very gradually so you don't really notice it
1: the way that it's destructive is uh you know still even still unclear or it's like yeah i mean everything ends up some kind of like grayish dull dust but but the way that it 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 drives some things crazy and then it just like physically destroys some other things. It's kind of weird.
0: Patternless, sort of. It doesn't, yeah. like there's no way to figure out exactly like what its MO is. It doesn't have an MO in the way that we would understand.
1: I was particularly like <laughs> freaked out at what, so so this thing, as we said, is in the well, whatever, whatever piece of the essence of the thing is in the well. And <clears throat> they find the bones of the two boys in the well and they decide that they need to investigate the well, and they might like drain. They might take the water out, but the the scientist <laughs> that is trying to analyze what's at the bottom, you know, they they stick a really long stick down there, a long pole. It says the ooze and slime at the bottom seemed inexplicably porous and bubbling, and a man who descended on hand holds on handholds with a long pole found that he could sink the wooden shaft to any depth in the mud of the floor without meeting any solid obstruction. Right, like, so it's, it's, it's like, like it's going, going to the, through the core. The earth. Earth. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, no. <laughs> this thing is, and, and that's the way it sort of leaves it is that this thing is sort of creeping and it also, it gets in your head. So one thing you might wonder is how the farmer Ami is still alive and ha- and isn't, like, locked away in an attic or turned into gray dust. And at some point, I don't think I wrote it down, but um, they say that it's a good thing that he was so unimaginative as a person because <laughs> once, it, like, once you really start thinking about this thing, it, it did drive him a little crazy, but he's yeah. doing much better than a lot of the other people who came into close contact with it. And so the way they say it is, like, it's, you know, he wasn't an imaginative sort. And so this thing, like, that gets into your mind, if you do have an imagination, it's like that kind of way it's going to affect you worse. And you get the sense that the narrator might f- be worried that, the, you know, his imagination is going to lead him to go crazy in a way that, like, Ami was able to survive. Right. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He—, he yeah, because the narrator does feel this thing and feel like very – even though he was he never saw it, came there 50 years later and left right away.
1: Yeah. Um, at the very beginning, I remember reading this at the very beginning and not understanding what – like why he, the narrator was saying this. <clears throat> he says um, – uh, the bill folk have gone away and foreigners do not like to live there. French Canadians have tried it, Italians have tried it, and the Poles have come and departed. It is not because of anything that can be seen or heard or handled, but because of something that is imagined. The place is not good for the imagination and does yeah. not bring restful dreams at night. So that's interesting. The more capable you are of imagination, the more it affects you. Yeah. Um, that's that's weird. That's Yeah. that's Because uh,
0: maybe it torments you because you aren't able to like understand it at all um and maybe if you're less imaginative like that wouldn't torment you i don't know what that's trying to get at exactly but i also think like i don't know this you could see this as a kind of metaphor for climate climate change um you know in that kind of slow creeping thing that's just affecting everything slowly and soon gonna make everything inedible and off and wrong but you can also see like there's a way in which like social Dynamics are also like it's a good metaphor for that just like anime, enemy right the social like the feeling oh. of kind of isolation is something that you know it's a phenomenon that sociologists talk about the sense that we're more atomized that we're more um, like isolated
1: from the meaning that society brings.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and that happens very slowly, and there's a lot that's kind of enticing about it too, Um, and so we're drawn to it in a way, and, and it just all of a sudden kind of takes over a society and, like, drives people, and, you know, I don't know, like, you get this sense, like, we've talked about this, of, like, our students are taking um and there's stats for this there's data for this like they're taking more medication there's more mental health issues it's like doubled in the last 10 or 11 years and you know you could try to pin it down on iphones or social media or whatever but there's no real sense of why this is happening or how and it but there's also like a sense that there's no stopping it like it's not going to get better
1: yeah um by the way i mean the I read somewhere that suicides have gone up because of the social is- isolation of, of the pandemic. The, the yeah. pandemic, um, but yeah, no, I, like absolutely the the knowing decay of, uh, of, yeah, yeah, or just these fun
0: socially destructive phenomenon that just yeah. kind of attack you. You may have enough reflective power to see that it's bad, but you don't like. There's you're powerless to arrest its, its eventual, like, destruction right. of, like...
1: And, and, you know, it's unclear. So, so the story starts out with um, everyone in the surrounding area has moved out. Like, there's just abandoned buildings, like abandoned barns, and, like, all you see is, like, the, the remains of the people who used to live. So some people left. The people who were far enough away... Um, But could see it happening that they left to the city. Um, um, But what the most horrifying aspect of this, once I finished reading it and thought about it, was that the whole point of the guy going there was they want to put a reservoir. Exactly. (laughs) And it's just like, this is just going to spread like the feeling yeah. of dread that you're going to get that you, that you get when you realize whatever was in there man putting it in the water is exactly the worst thing that you could possibly do
0: yeah uh, that's almost conventional horror that's like well you know that's okay we'll just build this house on this native american <laughs> yeah. burial ground and you know it, it should be fine no one will know that it was a burial ground <laughs> yeah, like
1: yeah. Uh, um but but given that it's lo- the the narrative of what happens is lost now it's gone from from nahum to 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 um the narrator nobody wants to talk about it anymore yeah um the thought that they're just planning to build a reservoir there is just because no one's really gotten that story no one knows that like it was in the well and that the water was like foul and it could be that the way that the water is the way it infected everything else i think you were saying this like that it got through into the vegetation that way
0: yeah yeah, and the narrator is not like he's the one person who might be in a position, I and mean, he's fuck no. I'm, yeah, uh, like
1: I'm just never gonna drink that water.
0: Like, I'm probably gonna move to California. Like it'll probably take longer to get there. So he has kind of the you know ghost in the house. You get the fuck out. Like yeah. you don't ask questions. You the don't survivor. try. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. um yeah. yeah. Any other any other thoughts about this? Um, it's a great. Like I wish you know, I I kind of regret not doing it as an audio book. Like I would love to have mm-hmm. the lights turned out and just listen mm-hmm. to this. You can find it on YouTube. I saw. I I
1: found it. I you know, my only thoughts are it's kind of brilliant to um, to write a story that that can be read into in so many ways. Right. Um, <laughs> I I did find myself hoping that what he he wasn't talking about like white flight or like you know like black people like <laughs> or like yeah painting like, society. Right. <laughs> um, no, which. I mean
0: like yes, right, like black people and white people sleeping together, you know, yeah. like uh, yeah, and that's like. Which, but I don't think like I, I think this is I think there are other ones you could that are that that one you could make that connection more strongly than this.
1: Yeah, um, and we haven't. Neither of us have seen Lovecraft Country, uh, the TV show, right? Um, I haven't, but yeah. apparently, it is taking Lovecraftian stories and and sort of applying them um, Wo- to
0: like wokely.
1: Yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe I'll give it a shot.
0: It's a really like I wouldn't. I would want nothing to do with this as a like a visual thing. I think it's really. It has its power because it's in words and and not like the whole point of it is like you said earlier that you can't. describe it and we don't have the words for it so anything you see is gonna be I don't know you know um, did you ever see Annihilation that's what this reminded me of even though Annihilation is not a uh yeah, I, I yeah. think it was, it's certainly not an adaptation of this, Annihilation as its own book, but that it has this thing that's going on in the, in the zone or whatever <laughs> yeah. that's also making things like it's affecting their DNA, making them wrong, making yeah. them not as they ought to be. Right. That does a pretty good job of like capturing strangeness without sort of giving you too much. There are plants and animals that are sort of share like hybrid, weird hybrid right, things. Even right, though this right, isn't right. doing that, it is. Um, it's it's after the same thing. This unknowable, inexplicable, th- inexplicable thing that scientists can't figure out, and it's just not of this earth.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that strangeness really does get get killed with if you give me a visual to it. Um, like it's so much more powerful for me. To just think of an undescri- indescribable thing at the center of all of this, you know
0: that I will say though, that dance in annihilation that Natalie Portman does with like the Natalie Portman sort of devil where they're mirroring each other, even though like you can describe it, that's strange in a way that like I'd never seen before, and like freaked me out and it freaked my daughter out I yeah. think, when I saw it with her too. Like like she was, like she doesn't generally get scared at night of things but she was terrified that night just of that thing and so I think there probably are ways to visually represent at least the kind of feeling or mood of strangeness and like undescribable just wrongness of something that like you can do but it's hard.
1: Absolutely. it's It's why I think horror as a, visual genre is so, so difficult. But when people do it well, they do it well. But the people, at least in my experience, who do it so well, do it well because they build up the like unknowing, like the, the, like right. the parts before you see, ever see anything are always the most terrible parts.
0: Right. And then it's disappointing when <laughs> yeah, you actually like, see the thing.
1: When you see the Jaws shark, you're just like, hey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. No, for sure. Like horror movies are totally like that where like the tension and the build up, and again it's always when things are just a little bit off but then yeah. they feel compelled in a way that he doesn't really and doesn't have to in the story to
1: yeah yeah the, I'll, I'll say that the feeling a little bit off part in the beginning like that description of like there was something wrong with the animal tracks and they're like right when they're starting to notice something's wrong i think maybe that's what you were saying in your walk that is yeah. the most horrifying to me. It's like a yeah. very, like, I've had dreams where, like, the lighting's a little weird. Like, I can't quite see things as well. Like, that yeah. s- slightly off feeling is terrifying.
0: <laughs> there were bats when I was walking. Like, oh, and we wow. have bats in Houston. It's probably, this probably happened before on a walk, but like, all of a sudden, just there were just bats everywhere. And it was just, and they weren't like, Coming, like, it, it was just like a <laughs> little weird. Like, why are there all these bats like in my neighborhood right now? You know, like, <laughs> and you know, it wasn't dark. And so, yeah. And then, like, th- there was, Yeah, there was this weird couple down by the bayou where I was walking, and it is very like you. Once you're on the look on high alert for these things, (laughs) this was why it it must be really hard to be like a paranoid person or something. Like it's it's like people do weird things, and you just don't notice it that often because you're kind of in your own world, or you're just not focused. You're focusing on other things, so (laughs) yeah, yeah. pay
1: close attention to anything, and it's weird. (laughs) (laughs) It's gonna be fucking weird. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, I hope we could do some more Lovecraft. Um, Me too. Certainly, That's let us funny. know if you want us. And and which ones? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think we'll also get sort of better at talking about it too as we get more. I, yeah, it's a different genre thing. than anything we've done.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. And
0: and really anything that I read normally, like, yeah. I, I'm not a fan of this. Like I'm not a fan of horror fiction. I don't like Stephen King, or yeah. you know, I like some of the older stuff, like Edgar Allan Poe. Like you yeah. said, I love yeah. the Raven. I yeah. love like the that that also has this kind of nah, what's you know, <laughs> but but yeah. So yeah. we should do more of this. This is fun. Cool. All right, join us next time on Very Bad Wizards. <laughs> you have.
1: Pay no attention
0: to that man. Anybody can have a brain. You're a very bad man.
1: I'm a very good man. Just a very bad wizard.